open to unyielded, thriving no matter what. This podcast is for those who are committed to thriving no matter where they are on that journey. And I say journey because thriving is not about achievement. It is not a destination. It's about engagement. It's about being energized by our life. My name is Bobby Kaler, and I'm your host. And I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. I mentioned that it's a journey, and you might find yourself anywhere along that path. You may be starting out, you may be mid-career, or you may be considering your next career. You might be an entrepreneur or a salesperson, or you may be that person who just feels like something's calling to you, and it's time for a change. My mission is to provide stories that inspire us so that when challenges show up, we will choose to persist. I will also provide practical skills, perspectives, and ideas that will help us create the habits of thriving and flourishing. Because at the end of the day, it is all about providing hope, knowledge, and assurance that we can all be more fulfilled and successful if we choose. Let's dive in to today's episode. In today's episode, I want to talk about something that I see a lot in coaching, and it's how do we dismantle the fear of rejection? You know, it's the new year, and I know that we've all been busy setting our resolutions and writing out good goals. And no matter how smart your goals are, if you've got your foot on the brake, you're not going to make the progress towards your goals that you really want. So what I want to dive into is something, a concept that I read. There's a fabulous book by Tim Galway. Tim is a professional tennis coach, and the name of the book is The Inner Game of Tennis. And in the book, Tim talks about how the greatest opponent that any of us face, it's not the one on the other side of the net. It's the one on our side of the net, meaning ourselves. So I thought that it'd be good the first few months of the year to kind of dive into How do we become our own opponent? And more importantly, what can we do to navigate this and move through it? Because like I said, no matter how great our goals are, if we've got our foot on the brake, we're not going to make the progress that we want. So let's dive into the one that I've seen many, many times in coaching, and that is the fear of rejection. And nobody is immune to this. I have coached highly successful salespeople. I've coached highly successful managers, some of whom have been former professional athletes. And some of them have even been former Olympic hopefuls. And like hopeful in the meaning like they actually had a chance. Not Not like I'm a hopeful, but I mean, they truly had a chance. So in all of us at one time or another, we have struggled with the fear of rejection. So I kind of want to dive into into that in today's episode. Here's an example of when this opponent showed up for me. This was way, way back. This was in 2002 or 2003. And I was at an entrepreneurial conference. And I think it was in LA. And Entrepreneur Press was there. And they made the announcement that they wanted stories submitted because they were putting together a book called Masters of Success. And they wanted stories about people who had overcome adversity. 
And I immediately thought of my story of having severe speech problems when I was a kid. And, you know, having been told by a speech pathologist that I'd never be able to speak correctly and that there's no hope of me ever speaking correctly or overcoming the obstacles. And so when they said this, that they were looking for stories of people who had overcome adversity, I thought, well, that could be a great story, especially because at the time I had just become a member of the National Speakers Association and I was a professional speaker. And I thought, well, that is a great story. And so I made that commitment to myself as I was sitting there in the audience that I would submit my story to Entrepreneur Press. And then I promptly went home and I didn't forget about it. But every time I sat down with the keyboard to write my story, I started thinking, well, who am I to write that story? And if I write the story and I've submitted, they might say no. And this went on for months. And, and I was committed to it, but I didn't make any progress on it. And then it was, I think it was a day in February and, I, and it was a Monday. And I got this email and it was from Entrepreneur Press and they said, hey, last call for submissions. If you want to submit your story, you have until Friday. And again, I sat down and, and I started to type up my story. And again, you know, that voice said, yeah, but what if they reject it? What if they say no? And then I had, I think, a pretty important epiphany because then it dawned on me, you know, they might say no. There is a 50-50 chance that they will say no. But the thing is, there is a 100% chance that they'll say no if I do nothing. Because I would have been saying no to myself. So at least by, by giving them the chance of saying no, I was putting myself in the game. I was giving myself a chance because otherwise there was a 100% chance I was not going to be in that book. So I sat down. I wrote out my story. I sent it off. It was, it was that afternoon. And I think it was an hour later. I got the email back from them and they said, we'd love to include your story. And that's how my story came about to be included in Masters of Success, which was published by Entrepreneur Press. Obviously, it was a bestseller on Amazon. And I was alongside people like Aaron Brockovich and Tony Robbins and, you know, Buzz Aldrin. It was amazing to be in that book. And I almost cheated myself out of that opportunity. And that would have been a shame because I would have been the one saying no to myself. From that point on, I always thought, well, at the very least, I'll make someone else say no. I'm not going to say no to my own dreams. And my pivotal moment there was when I finally got that last call to email. I knew then that I was either going to have to do something that felt risky or I was going to absolutely lose out on the opportunity that I wanted. And when I really thought about it, I mean, think about it. What was riskier? Doing nothing with the illusion of being safe or doing something that might give me the opportunity to get what I wanted, to be included in a book that had been a goal of mine for years. So in that case, you know, my opponent was that fear of rejection. And trust me, I get it. Rejection, it stinks. <laughs> Nobody Nobody likes rejection. It hurts. And like I said, this is something I've seen even when I've coached sales professionals. I'll never forget. I was coaching this highly successful salesperson. And he was one of those folks, you know, always president's club. And, and, and I'm not, not even sure how this topic came up, but we started talking about the fear of rejection. Because, you know, he was talking about how he sees, you know, sees it quite a bit with other people on his team. He said, the thing is, he said, I'm rejected every day on an hourly basis. 
you know, that's the life of a salesperson. <laughs> you get a lot of rejection. And he said, but here's the thing that I realized early on. None of my prospects were going to look me up and call me on the phone and ask me to sell to them. And he said, when I thought about it, what was riskier? Doing nothing and completely failing or at least putting myself out there and picking up the phone. Because by doing that, I have a chance. So what I want to talk about now is how do we actually work through this fear of rejection? And I want to share some of the things that I've been able to help others with, some of the tactics and strategies that they've been able to use. So the first thing, I have a three-step approach to dismantling this fear. And the first one is related to self-talk. But what I do is I ask myself three questions. The first question is this, are you really going to be the one to say no to your dreams? Because by doing nothing, I'm saying no. Second question, does this dream or goal or idea, does it deserve a chance of a yes? Because if so, I have to put myself out there. Nothing will happen until I put myself out there and give it a try. And the third question is, what if they say yes? Now, <laughs> two things can happen here. This one, though, if it's exciting, if they say yes, this one usually propels me forward because it paints that compelling future state picture. And that's important. The way that our brains work, that has positive emotional attractor and, and it works to pull us forward and pull us towards our goal. Now, if I ask myself, what if they say no, or what if they say yes, and, and instead I, I, you know, I feel like a panic or something like that or fear, then that's telling me something else. But typically when I ask myself, what if they say yes, that creates excitement. The other thing that's important about that is if you think about excitement and fear, it's kind of a continuum. And so, yeah, there's fear, but if I intentionally focus on the excitement and really feel that, it pulls me forward. It's a very important question to ask ourselves. My second strategy is, and this is going to seem counterintuitive, but the second thing that I do is I make a list of all of the plausible reasons why they might say no that have absolutely nothing to do with me. So for example, the book submission, some of my things may have included, uh, they already had plenty of submissions, right? It could be that they'd already accepted stories similar to mine. So therefore they didn't need any more stories like mine. A third one could have been, they wanted stories of famous people. And clearly I'm not in that category. Another one could have been that they were looking for people who had faced a different type of adversity. Another plausible reason might be that they just didn't like my style of writing. And that one is still okay. Think about it this way. If you take a friend out for pizza and they don't like the pizza because they just don't like pizza, it has nothing to do with you or even pizza. Just they don't like pizza, right? So it's okay. That is a plausible, acceptable reason. And if you listen to those reasons that I just gave, none of those are personal. There's reasons why they might say no. And I know it seems counterintuitive because it's like, oh, geez, now we're coming up with all these reasons why they might say no. But what it does is it, it discharges, it kind of diffuses the sting of the no. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why a person might say no that has, and they have absolutely nothing to do with us. 
I was doing this once in a coaching session. It was with a sales professional. And, and this person was really blocked by the fear of rejection. And I said, okay, here's the thing. Take out a sheet of paper. And I said, I want you to write down without you know, overthinking it, write down all the reasons why someone might say no to your solution. And I said, all the reasons, just write them down. And he looked at me like I was you know, off the wall a little bit. And I'm like, I know it's counterintuitive. Just trust me, try it. So he started writing things down and he wrote things down like, hey, the price might be too high. The features might not be what they're looking for. They might be looking for more of a one-stop solution and that's not us. And on it went. I mean, he had some other things. And I said, okay, great. Because he finished. I'm like, okay, great. I want you to look back at that list. And I said, tell me, are any of those personal? Or are they about the solution? And he looked over the list. And he said, none of these are personal. And I said, the other thing is, can you control anything on that list? Can you control the features? Can you control the price? Can you control that it's not a one-stop, you know, solution? There's, you know, and he's like, no. And I'm like, then it's not personal. And I remember he sat there like for a good 20 seconds and he looked at that list and then he slowly folded the list up. He put it in a shirt pocket and he said, this list will go with me on every sales call. So I know this one sounds a little weird. It sounds counterintuitive, but try it. It works because what it helps us see is that it's not personal. You know, it, it just is sometimes. So give that one a try. And the third thing that I do is I have what I call my post-rejection strategy, and it has two components. Number one, whenever I get a rejection, the very first thing that I do is I tell myself, I'm proud of you for trying. And that might sound weird, but it works. And it's so important. I do not, and I cannot control the outcome, but what I do control is my effort and what I put into it. So I want to praise that because it keeps me going. And it also goes a long way to take away the sting. The second thing I do in my post-rejection strategy is that I look for, is there anything at all that I could learn from this experience? And when appropriate, I'll even reach out to the person to ask for feedback. And I'll say something like, hey, I totally respect your opinion and I'm just trying to grow would you mind sharing with me? Is there anything else I could have done? Or what could I have done differently? And I'm amazed. I would say probably 85 to 90% of the time when I've reached out to someone and it's been a genuine, I'm not arguing with them. I respect their decision. I'm just trying to grow. 85 to 90% of the time, I get a good response back. And what I've learned has been wonderful. I've learned things like, you know, really there was nothing you could have done. Like one time I lost a, it was a sale. It was up in Canada and and they're like, no, we liked you. We liked you a lot. We liked what you had to offer. We just had to go with someone local. Well, I can't control that. And I have learned there was one time, this is, oh my goodness, this is way back when we lived in Portland. This was like 2004, 2005. And I learned that I missed out on a sale there. And it was something I never thought about before, but it was such great learning. And I just thanked them. And I said, you know, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And it was something that I told Rick, my husband and my business partner, I said, you know what? It hurts that I made that mistake, but I'm so glad I got the feedback because I might make make a mistake once, but I'm pretty committed to not making the same mistake twice. And so it was great, great learning. 
And here's the other thing that having a post-rejection strategy does, at least for me, is that it creates the context for me that it is a normal part of the process. We can't win every game. You know, we're not going to win every deal. We're going to be told no. It's a normal part of the game. I'm a huge tennis fan, huge. Roger Federer is my absolute favorite of all time. And even as great as Roger Federer has been, he was really in his prime. I mean, he was almost unbeatable. And the key there was almost unbeatable. Even Roger loses once in a while. I remember when I started my writing career, this was back in 2000. And I was reading some magazine about you know, getting over the fear of rejection, specifically for writers. And they said, the thing that you should do is save each and every rejection letter. And you want to save it because it's proof that you're in the game. Think about it. When you're entering a new game or you're trying to take your game to a higher level, you're going to get rejected along the way. And that's okay. But the reason that I saved those rejection letters, and, and I, I had <laughs> I had a lot was because it showed me you're in the game. You're doing the thing that you need to be doing in order to get what you eventually want. And that can be exciting. And the other thing, I remember this, boy, this was a number of years ago. And whether or not you're a fan of Tom Brady, uh, he had lost, it was a playoff game. And and of course, I mean, that's got to be heartbreaking. It's got to be hard. And Kurt Warner sent him a text. And the text from Kurt Warner said something like, being the greatest of all time, doesn't mean that you will win every time. It just means that you're going to win more than most of us do. And I remember seeing an interview with Tom Brady. He said he has treasured that text because it really kind of put it in perspective. We can't win everyone. And sometimes we're going to face rejection. It's just a normal part of the process. So those are my three strategies to dealing with this particular opponent. And that's the fear of rejection. And here's the final tip on this. Whatever you do, don't judge it. If you judge yourself for having that fear of rejection, it grows. And it has done its job because it has distracted you from taking the action. So just accept it, right? It's a normal fear to have. So when you feel that when you're about to act, just tell yourself, yeah, of course I feel it. Who wants to be rejected? But I have no chance unless I try So I hope that you'll try out these three strategies and see how they work. And please drop me a line, contact me, let me know how they work for for you, because I'll be very curious to see how they've helped you. So again, those are my strategies for tackling the opponent, one of the opponents on our side of the net, specifically the fear of rejection. Next month, I'll dive into another one. On another note, or a, a related note, I have been putting together a guide called Recognizing the just weight voice, because the just weight voice is one of those things that keeps us from making progress. And it's one of the things that I've come up in, uh, that I've seen come up in countless, countless coaching sessions. And it's the voice that just as we are about to act, it whispers to us, maybe it's better if you wait. And there's a number of things that it tells us. And so I'm putting together a free guide because I really hate the way that this just weight voice gets in the way. And it gets in the way of our goals. It gets in the way of our dreams. I've put together a free guide that will help us recognize if we're being sabotaged by this particular voice. So if you're interested in signing up for that, and once again, it's free, just go to unyielded.net 
slash goal killer, and you can have a copy of it. So again, this has been the Unyielded Podcast, where we are committed to bringing stories of growth and triumph. If you found it helpful, please consider leaving us a review on Apple, as well as share this with someone who could benefit from the message that we're sending. Because the goal is to make sure that we all thrive, no matter what. Thank you.